my ego at the time was inflated to the point where I didn't think that I wanted or needed help from any other human. I, I thought that I was in control of my life and if I wasn't able to solve it by myself without outside help, including medication, then I'm a piece of shit. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka. <laughs> this is so strange to do on my own. Um, I'm Christina, one of your co-hosts. The other co-host, Lauren, is in treatment right now, and so it's just me today, yet again. Well, actually, Ruby is here with me. She's frolicking around the home studio as we speak. I think she discovered catnip in the cat scratcher. That's on me. Sometimes when I'm cleaning, I find a little bags of catnip and just as a joke I sprinkle them around on every cat scratcher I can find and wait till they discover them and so all of a sudden they'll act insane out of the blue I'm like oh they must have found another batch <laughs> uh, part of me wants to cut that out because y'all must be sick and tired of hearing about my cats on this show but you know what cats and mental health are inexplicably intertwined so who am I to to ignore that I, I don't want to not address it you know what I mean <laughs> Okay, but staying on track, I have an amazing episode for y'all today. I interviewed my friend Andrew that I met in treatment in 2021. All I can say about his story is it's incredibly dopey to steal a term from one of my favorite podcasts, which in this context means full of twists and turns and rock bottoms followed by more rock bottoms and redemption and tragedy and hilarity. One of the things I love about Andrew is that he's willing to laugh at himself, as am I. It's what's the only thing I do on this fucking show. And so we laugh a lot, but he's also gone through a lot of really difficult shit since the last time we spoke. And I am just so grateful that he talked about it on this platform. And uh, I couldn't think of a better interview to and this podcast's dry spell, I guess you could say. Speaking of which, um, I'm trying my best to keep this podcast going in Lauren's absence, and it's really fucking hard by myself. So one way that y'all can help if you don't want to come on the podcast and talk to me, you know, that's an option, but I, re I recognize that not everyone wants to do that. Send me a voicemail. I've gotten a few voicemails uh, sent by lovely listeners that I'm sitting on and I'm going to release throughout the upcoming weeks and talk about them. That's the thing. If you can start a conversation, that's honestly the best gift you can give me right now because sometimes when I'm by myself, it's hard to talk. I, I already feel kind of like I'm talking into a void. And so, I don't know, give me stuff to talk about. Anything you want. The ball is in your court. I don't even know who I am right now. I'm using sports metaphors. Okay, moving on. So I don't have a proper update from Lauren yet, but I promise that is coming. Um, the last text that I have from her actually was a few days ago, and she said that someone was having a memorial for a dog, and she said they made her cry less than 36 hours after she'd arrived. So there's that. I know that the podcast is really important to her, and she misses doing it, and I know that she really wants to record something while she's in treatment. So that is coming. We don't know what we're doing. We don't have this shit planned out. We're just winging it, as are we all. Am I right? 
Um, okay, this interview is super long, so I'm just going to get right to the chase. Uh, follow Pickles and Vodka on Instagram at Pickles and Vodka Podcast. Send me voicemails, send me memes, comment. Uh, I, I've been bad at posting lately, but you can still hit that message button and just let me know you're there. Let me know you're listening. It really means a lot to me, especially these days. All right, here's Andrew. Enjoy. Okay, say it again. <laughs> Hello there, governor. We're back. <laughs> we are back. Uh, welcome. Hello. What's your name? Oh, hi. Well, I guess my name's Andrew. My name's Andrew. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cough. Okay, I can... <laughs> we could do that over again if we want. Anything goes on pickles and vodka. No, one cut. No, no cuts. All right, did you know, actually, you're the third Andrew that's been on this podcast? I remember you telling me two years ago that you have a lot of Andrews in your life. I have three. My brother, my ex, and you. And I'm still there isn't, good friends with all of you. It's still only three? Yeah, Damn. but they're all great people. Like, I haven't met a bad Andrew. Knock on wood. I don't think I have either. Watch an Andrew come into my life now and absolutely fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe that'll be me. Who knows? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I definitely have changed a lot in the last couple of years. Well, so that's a great place to start. Uh, we have not spoken in God two years now. Oh, I'm gonna open our te- our text conversation. I think Let's one of us see. got you got a new number because when I looked back on our texts, I did. There was like barely anything there. I might have deleted a lot of messages for storage. Though. I think you deleted messages. Fuck. Well, I met Andrew in 2021 in treatment. For mm-hmm. our eating disorders, among other things. We were sick. Were. Are, <laughs> uh, sorry, are. Just a little better than before. <laughs> yeah, sick in different ways, slightly better ways. Yes. We hadn't talked since October 3rd, 2021. Okay, Because yeah. you sent... Oh, God, you sent me a voice message on <gasps> Wednesday, July 27th at 5.44 p.m., and I didn't realize that until literally <laughs> right now. So I don't... How long is this? How long is it? It's a minute and four seconds. I wonder if you're baked. <laughs> probably. Also, I'm probably asking you about the podcast. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah, because so our last text before that was me telling you that I went back... Oh, because I went back to Rez. Yeah. yeah, oh my god, yeah, you went back to us. So tell the listeners basically your history with mental health and then what led you to go in when I met you and then what's happened since then. That is a great prompt. Well, okay, we should cool. we should cover that to begin with. For sure. Okay, backstory. So just to start, uh, my journey with mental health literally started with eating disorder treatment when I started in January of 2021. Wait, because wait, wait, wait. I'm point, so sorry. Can you say how old you are, where you live, anything oh, else? Oh, yeah, sure. Pronouns, I'll do a quick anything. 30 second thing. Okay, so I'm Andrew. Uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I live currently in snow. Well, okay, close to Seattle <laughs> yes. in Washington. Which and, is where we met. Yep. Well, technically, it was Bellevue, but nobody knows where Bellevue is, so it's irrelevant. You can see um, it. I literally could see the hospital from my apartment window in Seattle. Oh, my God. I remember you. Oh, not every day, though, right? Every day. When I, my day? room in the hospital was facing downtown Seattle, and I could see like the skyline where my apartment was. And then vice versa. When I was in Seattle, I could see the Bellevue skyline. It was really trippy, dude. So, yeah, we met in the Seattle area. Yes. Before 2021, 
Okay, so my mental health journey probably, I mean, it's been a thing since I really even have memory. The first kind of introduction into the world of mental health for me started when I was in fifth grade and my parents were seeing that I wasn't completing homework and I was forgetting assignments at home and I wasn't paying attention. So I went to this ADHD specialist and did probably a total of six hours of testing over a period of three days and got a very definitive score that diagnosed me with ADHD. So they loaded me up with Adderall and on day one of taking the Adderall, I took it at, I don't remember where I was that I took it, but I wasn't at home and I took it and then I got home and I stood in front of our garage door and I stared at a specific nail that was in the wood that was a little bit exposed for like five minutes. And then I got to school and I stared at my water bottle for an hour. So that was the only day I ever took Adderall. We immediately switched <laughs> to a different medication. So I, throughout middle school and high school was a turbulent journey of switching medication types, having my identity be seen as just, I'm late. I, I had a whole bunch of moral judgments given to me by my parents. Uh, I'm a bad person for not doing well in school. And so I connected my self-worth and who I am as a person to how well I'm doing in life. And considering school was pretty much all I was doing, I thought my life was terrible. I have struggled with self-esteem for as long as I can remember. And I can think back to the beginning of my eating disorder as well now. I, I, can, I can kind of see the beginning of it when I was about 11, because for the first, from preschool until halfway through fourth grade, I was homeschooled. Everything was at home. We went to a co-op once a week on Thursdays for two hours. And other than that, my only social interaction was with my family. I mean, I have five siblings. So but... we we bonded over this because I'm the oldest of six siblings. or I'm the oldest of seven. And we were homeschooled basically my entire life. Oh, my God. I did not remember that you yeah. were homeschooled. I, I didn't remember that you were either until just now. Um, it might be an ADHD thing. That's one thing that's happened in the last two years with me. I have strongly suspected that I have ADHD and I'm in the process of, you know, getting a diagnosis, which is hard when you're 30 uh, and you don't have health insurance. Yeah, that makes things hard. But um, I can relate a lot to your story. So, yeah. I, what birth order are you? I'm curious. Um, I have two older siblings and then me. And then two younger siblings, and I have a brother that's the youngest. I can't I, though. I can only use the word sibling to describe four of them right now because they're all <laughs> in their in the beginning of a queer journey. So <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, yeah. If you're anything like me, your your family is all over the place and complicated. And oh yeah, we I, wouldn't have I, it any other way, I guess. <laughs> absolutely not. Life is a TV show, and it would be boring if everyone was straight. So <laughs> I couldn't yeah. have said it better myself. <laughs> So anyway, high school was jam-packed full of medication changes, thinking I'm a piece of shit. I would go to school to escape what was happening at home, and I wanted to go home to escape what was happening at school. Because in both places, I was having my self-worth getting torn down by unrealistic expectations that I put on myself. And it just tore me up. You're not safe anywhere. No, I wasn't safe anywhere, so I was always on edge. So I was always having at least some level of a fight or flight feeling going on. I think that now that I think back, I think that's probably why I was so fucking sweaty and red all the time and 
yeah, I was I was always feeling like I was in danger. I mean, I was literally in, not well, there, there was different levels of abuse at home. Most of it was verbal and emotional, slight physical periodically, but paled in comparison to the emotional and gaslighting and stuff like that. So but that kind of stuff does come out in physical ways like you know the sweating and whatnot. Yeah, right. it's, a, it's a stress response your body is undergoing stress constantly there's going to what's be what's that um hormone or chemical that your brain gives off that causes stress cortisol cortisol yeah right. i just watched a tech talk about this it's fascinating Ooh, we're gonna go off nice. on a tangent though you need to continue i'm gonna i'm gonna, or we're I'm gonna, gonna be keep, here all night I'll, 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 I'll be i'm good at keeping us on track don't worry amazing <laughs> kind of Unless it's a cool tangent, then I'm going off the rail. We do love a um, tangent. Absolutely. So high school ended and I don't know how I graduated. I graduated with like a 2.4. And for some reason, they gave me a college prep diploma. So I don't understand that. I think it's just because all the teachers love me because <laughs> when I'm in class, I am the life of the class. I'm asking questions. I'm countering the teacher. I'm challenging perspectives. And considering I went to a private, Christian, legalistic, sexist, racist, patriarchal, everything that you can think of this school did. They didn't like it when people asked questions. Yeah. So I you had to fit a certain cookie cutter box mm -hmm. to succeed there. And I am nowhere near the right shape for that cookie cutter. So <laughs> it just wasn't going to work out. They didn't have mental health services. I had teachers getting mad at me because I wasn't I was struck. I really should have been at a public school and being able to take advantage of special education classes and get a tutor and get someone to yeah. help me educate on ADHD. Because up until 2021, my entire life, I have not had words to describe the feelings, thoughts, and the feelings and thoughts that I'm having that are causing this mental turmoil. And once I learned these words through therapy, treatment, and self-learning, I, I it makes me mad. It makes me mad yeah. that I did not have therapy either of not even just available. I, I didn't even know the use of it until I actually got in it because my first therapy session was January 6th, 2021 at 9 a.m. with uh, what's his name? He taught act the, I, the guy who would always do the squat with his hands. We would bleep it out anyway. <laughs> oh, good point. Hippa. I mean, I, so that's lit. I think January 7th was the day that I admitted. So that would have, because it was your second day when I got there. I remember you told me oh you, my were, God. you were also new. The Washington riots. Oh, we don't. Do you talk politics at all on this podcast or no? They know where I lean, but we okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I'm going to say is I just made the realization that I got admitted on the same day as the Capitol bullshit. So yeah. that's interesting. Oh. That was a day of chaos oh my for God. everyone. Yes, I remember that happened and I was about to go to treatment and afterwards someone congratulated me for getting through it and not drinking. <laughs> and I, I didn't even <laughs> think about it. I was, you know, just anyway. So that was a pivotal time for you. Absolutely. I remember as you were going through this painful revelation and transformation, it was very apparent to us, like how you were changing and like the- Really? Can the, you tell me more about that? I mean, the way that you described yourself in school as just being the life of the party and talking to the teachers and everything and contributing, that is literally how you were in treatment. 
<laughs> like every group that I got to be in with you, I was so happy because I knew that there would always be amazing conversations. But then, you know, there was another side of you that I could tell was just exhausted all the time and was fighting just to be there, you know, mentally yeah. some days. Like you would go in and have your individual therapy session or your family session and you would come out just absolutely drained and you wouldn't contribute. Yeah. And, and like, I could tell when that switch occurred. So it was very obvious to me that you were going through something painful. And, you know, in a way we all were, you know, the support system you make in treatment is so powerful and, and special, but at the same time, you really have to stay in your own lane, you know, and focus on yourself because you're all going through changes like that. 100%. You got to be selfish treatment or you're not going to succeed. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's funny. We're having this conversation today because my co-host Lauren is getting admitted today, like probably then as we speak. this is a perfect speak. topic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so talk about how that journey <laughs> culminated in 2021 and what happened after that. Okay. So I was in residential for 42 days, starting on January 6th, and it was life-changing, it was radical, it was powerful, it was painful, it was every emotion I can think of, plus more. It was fun. It was also really, really, really fun. We have so many inside <laughs> jokes from that time. Do you remember the retainer? <laughs> no! What's the retainer? Oh no, you were in the hallway for that! It was at like midnight, there were like six of us in the hallway, and I showed everyone my retainer oh, and wait. explained the back... Have you... Wait! Yeah. Have you heard my retainer story? Yes, I have, but you should, can, do you, can you tell it in like three minutes or yes. less? I, yeah, I can, I can summarize it. Okay, so I had braces for about a year and I got a retainer and it was just clear. It was boring. I didn't like it. It would get gross. And I was like, fuck that. So when I got a new retainer, like six, like 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, I was sitting in a chair and <laughs> so, you know, have you had braces? Yes. Okay. So, and you've had retainers, correct? Yeah. I have a permanent retainer now as we speak. Hey, me too. On the hey, bottom. Hey, yep. Yep. Did you win? Okay. That's another side uh, tangent. Um, Is it a bulimia the, thing? The goop that they put in your mouth to make the mold. Do you remember that? Unfortunately. Yeah. I did not i embarrassed myself and i'm not going to go into more detail than that but you can you viewers can imagine or listeners can imagine what <laughs> happened it was mortifying so after that happened i need i tried to be funny to kind of uh make myself feel more comfortable again after embarrassing myself and shocking the nurse so they were like okay what color do you want and i sat there flustered red and needing a new shirt and i said you know what pink with sparkles <laughs> yes. and she looked at me did a double take and said well okay <laughs> and then walked away i didn't think anything of it i didn't think she would take me seriously because my tone of voice demeanor and intention was to make a joke to be like funny but if you didn't give her any other color how was she supposed to know was she just gonna pick up. one for you <laughs> <laughs> that's a liability andrew yeah, that's true. Okay, so two weeks later, I, I get to the office. And mind you, <laughs> I have gone to the same dentist from the age of zero until like 23. These people know me. I don't have to say anything when I walk in. They just sign me in, say, hi, Andrew, how are you doing? And I talk to them. There were like four people standing there <laughs> around the person holding the box with my retainer in it. And I walk up and I forgot completely because it was two weeks later. It was two weeks later. So I completely <laughs> forgot that I told them pink with sparkles. So they present me. 
they like opened their hands palm out with this little box and i'm like um what are you all doing because i know all of them by name and <laughs> i lost it i opened the box there's a retainer sitting there pink with sparkles bright just epic and it is like my favorite I've seen i don't know it. what of i don't <laughs> it's beautiful right? it's awesome <laughs> so i'm really glad that i sarcastically said that i just forgot i have painted your nails was it black and multiple sparkly? times i think well it was just pure black one time and then there was another time with it was aqua with sparkles and then a layer of clear coat over top i don't know why i remember that exactly but i do we had a lot of fun um, in treatment as we were saying but lots of pain as well yeah it was a combination of the two so i went through residential and then php php i was there for about two months i did that with you too yeah in april of 2021, four months into treatment for me, my grandma died. And that was the first death that I have experienced where it is someone that is very emotionally close to me. And it blindsided me. The day that I learned she died, I immediately went to the dispensary after the day I was done in PHP and bought like five grams of weed. Now, were you, when you went to treatment, uh, what were your main issues if you don't mind are you talking asking. about substances or like just mental yeah like, like, like diagnoses diagnoses i'm getting the sense that you were you were trying to be sober from weed as well so at the time i was aware that i had adhd and i was aware that i had depression i was not aware of any other diagnoses that i know now but now that i have knowledge i i went into treatment with major depressive disorder general anxiety disorder PTSD, I don't remember if I've said ADHD or yet or not, but I had that and some obsessive compulsive tendencies. I haven't been fully diagnosed with OCD because I don't quite make it on the scoring stuff. That was my list. And I was also struggling with four different addictions. A poly substance addiction. Yeah, if you will. nicotine, which I still I'm vape vaping right day. now, literally into the microphone. <laughs> I'm afraid to vape because I don't want the mic to pick it up. <laughs> it, it'll happen. It's fine. You can't okay. pick it up. Okay, so... So I didn't hear eating, eating disorder stuff in that. Oh, right. Well, I, I'm kind of in the mindset now of seeing it, my eating disorder. A large part of it I see as an addiction because viewing my issues all as addictions has radically helped. and. That kind of goes against what ERC taught, because I remember them being pretty adamant about not thinking of eating disorders as yeah. uh, addictions. And that was the worst advice that I could have possibly been given, because I was in complete denial about my alcohol usage. I have struggled with binge drinking and habitual drinking since 2016, when I was 18 years old. I moved to Germany, and I, for the most part, for the first 23 or so years of my life have been a pretty by the book, follow all the rules, don't break any laws, bootlicker. I mean, uh, for well, it's the everything. way we, I think it's the way we grew up. Like to this day, I am 30 years old. I look like a punk. I am deeply afraid of authority. <laughs> I'm deeply afraid of authority. I'm deeply afraid of breaking the rules. I'm afraid that if I do something bad, even if I'm alone, then someone's going to see. And I think that comes from the way we were raised. I won't elaborate, but you know what I mean? 
Yeah, that, that that can be a topic for another time. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about religion for I won't even touch that. hours. Um, actually, you might not even be referring to religion, but that's why I was thinking. Um, I've talked many times on the podcast about my own experience oh, okay. with a religious upbringing, and and all they have to know is the listeners is that you have a similar upbringing. Yeah. Okay. So at treatment, they offered a class for substance use disorder, and I said no. Uh, when they asked me if I what my alcohol uses was, I completely lied, saying I maybe had a drink or two a week, when in reality, I was drinking a fifth every two or three days for the whole year of 2020. And I, the first day getting out of residential, I immediately, after I got home, walked to the QFC, which is unfortunately and fortunately was about a quarter mile walk from my house and bought a fifth of Smirnoff vodka and absolutely got smashed. And I didn't think anything of it. I was in complete denial. If you had asked me if I had a problem, I would not have been lying to you when I told you that I don't have a problem. I completely duped myself into thinking that I was fine. And, and it bit me in the butt. the case for so many people. I mean, that was the case with right? me. Like, you have to reach that point where you admit you have a problem. It, it sounds cliche, but it's true. Like, until then, nothing's going to work. And I, rem I remember in PHP, you would come in and talk about incidents like that. Like you were always very open about any quote unquote lapses or relapses that you had. Uh, with, and eating. with eating, with substances. Um, w was there self-harm in there as well? I think I remember you mentioning that one time. Um, we don't have to talk about I it. I don't think, no, I'm fine with talking about that. Did I? I don't know if I had any self-harm relapses during PHP or res. I definitely did once I got to outpatient and then when I went, yeah, in outpatient I did. But I don't remember if there were any relapses while you and I were in person in treatment together with self-harm. It is something I've struggled with. Yeah, and we have a lot of similar experiences. And I also have a, a very similar mindset as you which is these are all addictions, whether it's, you know, an eating disorder or oh, self-harm. Cool. Yeah, I, I view it all as addictions. And so uh, you would talk about that in group. And I always respected that about you a lot. Um, but I could also tell like, man, like it, it's happening often, you know, like it, it sucks. Because I could tell yeah. you were, you know, you were trying to get the help and you were going home every night and struggling, which happened to me too. It's really hard when you're in residential and then you get out and you go home every night and you're faced with all this freedom and it's, and then you get hit with your grandma dying and that just made it even worse. Kicked my butt. I think yeah. there were maybe two or three times that I just randomly during a group had to stand up from the table, go to a side office and cry for 30 minutes. And that was so cleansing. I did not stop my body from experiencing grief how it wanted to experience grief. I, I just went for the ride and it was so healing. And I now I miss her. But at the same time, I am so psyched for her because she's a deeply religious person and has been so psyched since my grandpa died in 2002 to join him in what she thinks is going to be heaven. And I'm just now, the only emotion I think when it hits her birthday is I think, you know, if heaven actually does exist, then I know she's looking down at me right now. And she is absolutely psyched to be up there with Grandpa Sam. So the grief really worked. I got through all the stages really fast. That's a really beautiful way of looking at it. And I'm really proud of you for doing that work. And it's not an easy thing. I, I am 30 no. and I have not lost anyone close to me yet. We did a whole episode it's gonna about it. It's going to hit you it. like a truck. Yeah, it, it's wild. Um, 
But I want to go back to that moment where you were crying and you just felt this relief. It's funny mm. that that's what really helps us, but we crying. keep... Crying. Yeah. And yet that is what we are trying to suppress when we use substances, at least for me, like it's a it's oh me too numbing. absolutely you're trying, trying to, to numb, numb yourself so self-medicate so yeah i don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more oh, totally. what was that, that like that, that's i'm really interested in that kind of thing what would you say is the main re- reason that you use substances and that you continued to use substances even while you were getting treatment for your eating disorder i began using alcohol and nicotine and marijuana and my eating addiction and my porn addiction, all five of those all began to avoid the everyday pain that I was experiencing. And it was I was using all of these different maladaptive behaviors mm. to make myself feel better and give myself a little bit of joy. But that joy came at a cost and it wasn't worth it. It never is. And I, and I, I know that now. I, I And a big thing for me over the past two years, or I guess now two and a half years, I have gone through a journey of accepting my addictions and grieving those maladaptive behaviors and allowing them to be in the past. I don't get mad at myself for having an eating disorder for, it started when I was 11, I'm 26 now. For, so I, I had my eating disorder for 15 years. Well, okay, I still have it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, it started 15 years ago. That's what I meant to say. Um, I, don't, I don't get mad at myself for having binged or hidden food, or all of the behaviors that I went through growing up. I am responsible for them, though. And um, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. You were just doing what you could, you had to, to get through it. I'm going to circle back to the responsibility and accountability thing after talking through 2021. But uh, one more thought before I forget it, Uh, it has to do with ADHD, which is ironic. That's Um, very ironic. It's interesting that, you know, one of the things that people with ADHD really need is dopamine. Yeah. Like, basically, you're just trying to get dopamine however you can. And I think it's really interesting that you consider your overarching problem to be addiction. And I think a lot of people with addiction that starts early, especially, I I see a a correlation between addicts and people with ADHD. So there's, you know, I'm not a doctor or scientist. I've read a few articles, but I just think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating, too. So where are we in the timeline? Your grandma died. So my grandma died. That rocked my boat in PHP and caused me to increase my usage of substances. And it also increased my need to lie to everyone around me to give off the image that I'm doing okay. That is a coping mechanism that I've used for years to protect myself from from judgment. Um, from needing help. So I got through PHP, started intensive outpatient, or I'm going to refer to it as IOP. And I did that until like halfway through June. I got a job at a uh, lumber yard that was near me. I remember that. So IOP got done. I was on a really hot streak of taking my meds every day. That's something that I've struggled with since the beginning of memory is taking my meds consistently. Um, what meds are you in- on now or what meds were you on then? I was on Prozac 
and Adderall. I, I came back. I went back to Adderall like ten years after trying it for the first time, and it was it was successful the second time. I no longer take Adderall because that turned into <laughs> I abused it for about a month during 2022. So I do not use Adderall anymore. <laughs> That's it's how too it good. goes. That's all I have to say about this it. This is now. why we can't have nice things. It's very true. Um, so I was on an SSRI. I was on an ADHD medication. I was on an anxiety medication. Things were going really well, and then. I quit my meds because every time I start doing well in my life, uh, the first thing that stops is my meds because I think I'm good. I am nodding furiously right now. This is so common. Wait, is it really? Yes. Oh my God. Literally like multiple psychiatrists have told me that like when I got non SSRIs, they're like, it's going to take a few months to kick in. Then you might start feeling better, but that is when you absolutely should not stop taking it. Oh, I thought I was an outlier. That's actually really nice to hear. No, it's, it's very common. I'm like leaning forward right now. Holy shit. I did I not mean, know that. You can do your own research. We don't have time for that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so I stopped my meds. I now consider medication to be my first layer of defense against the demons preventable life failures. I, uh, there's probably no, a better no, way that to was say a way that. more logical way of saying it. I like how I was just like demons okay. and you were like preventable life. <laughs> I don't know. No, it makes sense. It's like we don't have a lot of control, but we do have these little things we can do to kind of yeah. bolster us. Build a foundation. I yeah. got rid of my foundation and that led to my anxiety increasing and that got rid of my foundation of healthiness. And that led me down a spiral of going back to lying to everyone that I was doing well, isolating in my room after work, only eating takeout food, not cooking food for myself. I think I need, we need to ask at this point, how was your relationship with yourself? At this moment during IOP? Yeah, like what, what was going on with your, your sense of self? Because I know it, it can be really hard when you do get out of treatment and then you find yourself still struggling. Like for me, it, I just used that as fodder to fuel my self-hatred and proof that I was a failure. Yeah. So I, after treatment, tried to keep as many things from my life of addiction and eating disorder as I could. I tried to do as many things the same as I could. Um, mm. I basically not floundered. What's the word? I was out of control after treatment. I, I can't. There's a word to describe like being lost after having support. But I, I, I just went back. I, I went back to living my life the same way. I, I was door dashing every day. I was spending all my money on food. I was drinking all the time. And I learned some things during residential and PHP about body neutrality and about yes. improving my self-image and self-worth. And I made some progress. Thankfully, I had in my mind at the time and now well, I kind of understand it a lot better now that recovery is not linear and things change. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the work you previously did is now moot or doesn't matter. And at the same time, I, in a sense, relapsed in my self-hatred and wow. went back to believing that I am this ugly, bad, mean, unlovable person. And I then lived my life according to those values, and my life reflected that. My therapist that I had during intensive outpatient ended up leaving ERC, and I stayed with her as my therapist. And there came a day, it was around the same time that I ended up quitting my job. I just, I didn't talk to her. I had uh, disappeared from work. 
I no call, no show, didn't say a word. I have literally not been to that place since I quit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so losing your going off your meds was like the chink in your armor. And that then, was the start. Yeah. And then, you know, go seeing your therapist and, you know, isolating. That was the plunge. Actually, you know what? I quit my therapist before I quit my job because I quit my therapist because I didn't think I needed her anymore. Uh-huh. I, I thought I was fixed. I thought I was good. Hilarious. Hilarious. Stupid, <laughs> ignorant, all of that. Um, so what happened next? Well, I crashed and burned again. I, I drained my bank account, not caring about what was going to happen. I grew up with a father who was a financial advisor, and that is like the eighth or ninth best paying job in the country. So I grew up with a very, very high level of privilege that has only been the last couple of years that I've come to acknowledge that privilege and be humble about it. I wouldn't say that I've been boastful or, you know, throwing it in people's face in the past because my parents did a good job of teaching me to not broadcast what people can already see. And at the same time, um, okay, I'm having an ADHD moment. Can you can you tell me the question again? Oh, you were talking about your dad's money and like how it made you feel. Right, 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 right. You didn't rub it in people's faces, but you weren't aware of your privilege necessarily. I wasn't aware of my privilege and I was in a severe codependent relationship with both my dad and my mom. Every time that I have had a crash and burn moment, I've always had in the back of my mind the reassuring thought that, oh, my parents will bail me out. Mm, And that happened every single fucking time. I let my life get so bad multiple times over the last six, no, seven years, pretty much since the end of high school, that I've had to have my parents bail me out or else I would be on the street. Yeah. And that assumption and crutch was just as present in 2021 as it was 2020 or 2019 or 2018. That mindset of, oh, I'll be fine because I have this uh, security blanket, security blanket. And that security blanket stopped me from growing. I relapsed in my eating disorder just as hard as I lost my job or lost my therapist and ended up going back and doing the exact same type of treatment again in September of 2021. I went to res. Uh, I was there for, I think, six weeks again. And then I went to PHP. Did I go to? Yeah, I went to PHP, but I used their housing because I didn't have anywhere to go. I would have been on the street. Those apartments were pretty (laughs) nice. My parents thankfully started setting boundaries with me and cutting off the support, which is what I needed. I needed to have that pruning. At the time, were you upset, though, at them? Um, Or at that point, were you just so resigned to your fate? You were just like, whatever. Yeah. Um, got to December of 2021 at the end of PHP, I got hired as a parking enforcement person at Google campus. And that was the best paying job I've ever had. And the cycle started again. I quit my meds. I thought I was good. I stopped talking to my therapist. I quit IOP after two days. I thought I was good. I tried to do everything by myself. I thought my ego at the time was inflated to the point where I didn't think that I wanted or needed help from any other human. I I thought that I was in control of my life. And if I wasn't able to solve it by myself without outside help, including medication, then I'm a piece of shit. It is just like the medication. It's like, you know, now that I have this stuff, now that I have the help, I don't need it because I feel fine. But it's like, no, the help is what made you feel fine in the first place right just quit the help cold turkey just like you can't quit the meds cold turkey why do we always do these things to ourselves it's like we're repeating history time and time again 
because the human brain likes what it's familiar with. And my brain, I can only speak for myself in the past, has been very familiar with anxiety, guilt, and shame. And that yeah. is where I feel the most natural. So I yes. shape life decisions to get me back to a state of being ashamed of myself, guilty about my actions, and anxious all the time. Well, and also when, when you're the one inflicting the misfortune on yourself, it's like, okay, at it's least I know blame. where this is coming from. Whereas something like your grandma dying, it happens and you're like, holy shit, I can't prepare for this because I, this is out of my control. Yeah. So I quit IOP. Uh, 2022 started. Um, I spent New Year's Eve. I think I got blackout drunk by myself in my room. Um, I've had a few of those. And I made it about two months into that job. I was walking like I only can quantify it in steps because I, I bought a pedometer for this job because there was a lot of walking. I was averaging steps per day. Yeah, I mean, that sounds which is triggering. like which is like it was bad. It was yeah. really, 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 really bad. My feet got torn up. I lost two toenails because I didn't have the right kind of shoes. I, I would get home from work and every day I'd have to walk up the stairs backwards. Once I got to my bed. I would not stand up again until the next morning. I would crawl to the bathroom. Oh my God. I would do some kind of weird exorcist walk down the stairs to <laughs> grab my food from the front door. And then I ended up ghosting that job too. Thankfully, well, okay, not thankfully. I actually got some money saved from that job. So when I dropped off the face of the planet to that job, I didn't have the same level of crash and burn that I had previously. And I picked up a job at a breakfast cafe. I became a host. and. That lasted about a month. At that point, from the start of 2022, I was drinking a fifth a day. Any moment that I wasn't at work, I was either under the influence of alcohol or under the influence of weed. And my anxiety was increasing. My depression was getting to a very dangerous point. I was dealing with suicidal ideation every moment of every day. Yeah. Uh, and it got to the point where I couldn't separate my work life from my personal life. Usually before that, I could kind of put on a face and it got to the point where I couldn't. And it ended with uh, April 29th of 2022, me calling my mom and telling her about what I had previously just attempted and resulted in her immediately dropping what she was doing, driving to my house and transporting me back to Overlake. I went to the behavioral health unit and I stayed there for six days. I needed help. I, I, I had attempted suicide. Thank everything that I failed. Yeah. Because I tried twice within 10 minutes. Um, and believe it or not, that is not my rock bottom. That suicide attempt resulted in a stay at a behavioral health unit. My mother and one of my siblings cleaned out my room, moved out my stuff, put it in a storage unit, and they got to see the mess because I wouldn't throw away my alcohol bottles. They would just lay around. So they walk in my room and they see 30 or 40 bottles of Smirnov and Svedka. Oh, and my mom came to visit me on my third day at the behavioral health unit, sat down with me, looked me square in the eyes and said, you are a fucking alcoholic. You need help. You are going to die if you do not help yourself. And in that moment, I relented. I, for the first time, admitted I had a problem that I couldn't deal with myself. I ended up going to a 28 day inpatient alcohol rehab program, spent probably the first two or three weeks of that at some level of denial. Hey, at least you were through the door at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I did that and I had this good sense to realize that I needed to stay in treatment. So I ended up taking on $12,000 in debt to go to a treatment center 
that doesn't isn't isn't covered by my insurance in Olympia, which is the capital of Washington. That's where my cat's from. I did a 12-week program over the summer of 2022. It was life-changing. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And at the same time, on the last day of that 12-week program, I moved into a sober house. What did I do on that first day at the sober house? I quit my meds. August 26, <laughs> oh 2022 God. was the last time that I quit my meds. And that at that moment, I had just been promoted at Walgreens to becoming an assistant manager. I was kicking butt. I was making good money. I was saving. I was cooking food. I was going to meetings twice a week. I was talking with roommates. And then I quit my meds. Audience, say it with us. And then I quit my meds. Yeah, that's that's that should be the name of this fucking podcast. It's going to be the name meds. of this episode, I think. Yeah. Um, got through September kind of okay. October started isolating a lot more, started door dashing more, was getting to the second week of the pay period with only a couple hundred bucks, maybe overdrawing the day before the next paycheck because I'm spending 70 to $80 a day on DoorDash for my food. I was staying sober because I was getting uh, drug tested randomly throughout the week. Sober so from whatever an... drugs they were testing you from. We, we've talked how the food is and it absolutely- Oh, right. You can't, te you can't drug test for a, an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, I was I was back to binging and purging. Um, at least I was binging three to four times a week and I was purging one to two times a week. It was really bad. My anxiety got back to the same point of being super high and I didn't care. And unbeknownst to me, actually not unbeknownst to me, but it hadn't fully clicked in my mind that when I went to this PHP program, that was $12,000. My parents split the cost with me. So I, I, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to get help from them. I owe them $6,000 and I'm just about to be in a position to start paying that back monthly. It's still debt, but I, I'm not dealing with the ramifications that you would usually have to deal with. So again, well, that's massive privilege. Even if it were twice triple the amount of debt, you're here. You know, it's worth it. Yeah. And at the same time, I continued the cycle of insanity. I quit my managerial position at Walgreens. I was kicking butt. I had a clear path of career progression. I, I can't remember what the word is, but I was able to. I, I, yes, I had a path to becoming a store manager and I didn't care. I, I ended up quitting my job and I kept up the same facade that I've kept over and over again in the past, except this time it did not click in my head that I did not have the safety platform of my parents bailing me out. I made it about a month from the day before Thanksgiving to the morning of Christmas Eve, a behavioral health tech from the treatment center came to the house, came into my room and told me I had till 6 p.m. to get out. I advocated for myself a little bit and was able to convince them to let me stay till 8 a.m. the next day. And mind you, I'm I'm like $400 overdrawn at this point. I stopped yeah. checking my bank account. I had my bank account directly attached to my DoorDash account. And I was under the incorrect assumption that once my account hit zero, that DoorDash would start declining my transactions. They did not. And I wasn't checking my app at all oh, to realize shit. this. So my account, my bank allowed me to get to the point of having $650 overdrawn. Holy shit. Yeah, it was bad. Um, my parents helped out a little, a, a sum in the sense of they paid for an Uber ride back to Bellevue because there are more AA resources that they know about in this area. And they paid for a, ho a hotel room for me from Christmas Eve until New Year's. And 
I was not out of the sober house for more than two hours before I relapsed on both alcohol and marijuana. I spent the next six days bullshitting my parents, saying that I was searching for emergency housing, that I was visiting homeless shelters, that I was talking to friends, that I was connecting with AA members, when really what I was doing was spending the cash that they gave me for food for those six days and spending it on weed and alcohol. And New Year's Eve, I got kicked out of the hotel room at like 3 p.m. because I just procrastinated. And mind you, this entire time, I'm not feeling any emotion. I don't care. I, I, I'm yeah. just, whatever's happening is happening. So we get to New Year's Eve about 2 p.m. I got kicked out of the hotel. And then I just stood outside the hotel for like an hour. I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, what I, do you do at that point? What the fuck do I do? So I hid my bags <laughs> behind a bush and started walking and got to the block across from the hotel. What is there is an abandoned previous Marriott hotel. There's a gap in the fence. I go through the fence because I'm just exploring at this point. And I find a little landing that has a covering over it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is private. This is what I thought was safe. And I can just camp out here for a little bit while I figure out what to do. I stayed there for two weeks. Holy um, shit. I told my parents that I was staying with an old friend. Uh, this ordeal ended on January 14th. I spent from January 1st through January 14th sleeping in a stairwell of an abandoned hotel with no electricity. I would walk back over to the hotel that I was staying at. And I would hide behind the building and use their power outlet. I would walk to Trader Joe's and I would steal food. There were, would be homeless people that would also walk through the building, grabbing copper wiring and pipes. There was quite literally a uh, heist on my last night there. Three people showed up with a U-Haul, used bolt cutters to open up the janitorial bay or whatever, and then proceeded to stuff the entire U-Haul full of cleaning supplies and detergent and other things that you can resell to get some money. And I'm just standing here kind of terrified because I didn't want them to know that I was there. So I went up to the roof. That was my second time going up to the roof the night of the 13th because on the night of the 10th, I almost repeated attempting again. Um, I was sitting on the edge with my feet hanging over off a, I think it was nine stories. So I had, I had my ticket right there. I didn't because I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. I mean, I'm glad you didn't, obviously. Yeah. So the 14th came. I had no health insurance. I had no job. I had no money. I had intentionally isolated myself to the point where no one was going to call or text and ask how I'm doing because they didn't know I was having an issue because yeah. I had told everyone that I was staying with a friend and that I was setting up emergency housing, that I was going to AA and all these things. Was this all very strategic on your part? No, I just winged it as I went, lied as I went, spun my, spun my usual web of lies, and then it all, it all came crashing down. But this time it came crashing down because of a choice I made. I decided to reach out to a... Uh, actually, I reached out to my mom first. I spilled the beans completely about what had been happening over the last two weeks. And just to let you know, she had been visiting for Christmas. And she came to see me at the hotel the night that she was flying back down to California. And I did as much as I could to not see her. I didn't want her to see me, but she still came. And I lied to her and told her that I was fine. So she went home, not suspecting that I was about to be homeless for two weeks. Wow. So the 14th comes. That's this year, by the way. That is this year. That is a few months ago. Three, three, three and a half months ago. So we're almost caught up to the present. We're, we're almost there. I reached out to a friend from AA. He picked me up. He took me to a meeting. 
he bought me a burger. We tried to get me emergency housing that night, but it didn't work. And his boundary was really clear that he would help me, but he was not providing a place for me to stay. So he brought me back to the, ho- the abandoned hotel and I spent another night there. And the next day he came at like 7.30 a.m., took me to his house, let me shower, let me do a load of laundry because I literally had been wearing the same clothes for two weeks. My clothes had all been in a green canvas bag. And on the day that I came up back to Bellevue from Olympia, I had to walk for about 45 minutes in the rain to get to the hotel from where the Uber driver dropped me off. So my clothes were all moldy and shit. corrupted by the water. That moldy. That's God damn it. That's that's the word. That's what I'm here so for. So he, he helped me. Um, I ended up coming to the decision of going back to the behavioral health unit. And I tell you, I've never been triaged so fast. <laughs> um, I got triaged fast, but I had to stay in the ER room from like 12 p.m. to 11 at night. And then I got admitted from the moment on the 14th that I admitted that I was powerless over alcohol. My life has been completely different. I engaged in groups at the behavioral health unit. I advocated for myself to stay longer. So I ended up staying five days instead of what they wanted, which was four. I started looking at treatment options again, and I found a place. Mind you, I'm on Apple Health at this point, which is Washington State's state health insurance. So my options are extremely limited. I think I read somewhere that Washington State was 48th in terms of mental health care. Oh my God, are you serious? This this would have been in 2021 when we were in treatment together. I I don't know what it is currently, but yeah, it was pretty bad. So the substance use disorder professional at Overlake's uh, behavioral health unit uh, tried to push a treatment option on me that wasn't covered by insurance that would cost $100,000. And she said that was the only option that I had. What? So I'm sitting there like, what are you talking about? Like, what, that is, what is she bullshit. talking about? So I said, OK, I'm not doing that. I want the next best option. So we, I ended up getting a bed date. Now, I got discharged from the behavioral health unit on the 20th of January. The problem is that my bed date was the 31st. I had to somehow get through 11 days. The behavioral health unit completely washed their hands of any way of helping me. I, I asked everyone that I could for resources and Yes, my parents did end up helping out again by giving me a place to stay for those 11 days, but it was under a lot of conditions and I'm currently paying them back and I don't see it as the same level of crutch as the help that they had previously given me, which was carte blanche, hundreds of dollars, paying for rent, paying for treatment, doing all these things that this this was a loan. It's like you're allowing them to help you and they're happy to help you, but there are safeguards in place. There's boundaries. Boundaries. That That's are well good. defined and that they follow through on. Because you're not a bad person for accepting their help either. But given your history with accepting their help, it makes sense that you would want to have boundaries. I just wanted to say yeah. that. Like, Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so I get to the 31st. I made it. I made it from the 20th to the 31st sober off everything. Somehow. I spent a good amount of time during those 11 days with my aunt, uh, who I hadn't really connected with for a long time. And we're now pretty close. I'm actually staying at her ex-husband's house currently. Love that for you. I mean, he's my uncle. I I call him uncle so-and-so. He's my uncle, just not technically by blood. So they're a support system for you. They are a support system for me. They have been extremely helpful. So the 31st rolls around. So I get to the treatment center. I get admitted. I submit all my bags and stuff to get searched. I get to my bed. I put the bedding on my bed. And I'm, I'm like, great. Okay, let's go to lunch. I eat lunch. 
Then I walk back into my room and there's three people standing there packing my stuff up. And I'm like, what? whoa, 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 what, 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 what's going on here? My counselor says, uh, we need to talk. You don't have enough meds to cover your stay here. Apparently, you need to have all of the meds that you would need for the entire stay before you even go. Even though there is a pharmacy a quarter mile down the road, I tried to pick up my next prescription the day before admitting. When I got to the pharmacy, they said, no, you need to wait another five days before you can pick up your next prescription. So there were only five days of gap. Right. On the sixth day of being at this new treatment center, they could have easily driven down the road a quarter mile and picked up my meds for me. No, they, they kicked me out. Um, now I'm outside um, with my bags going, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And my aunt and uncle came through for me. My uncle offered me to stay at his place for an undefined amount of time. I got to his place, start of February. He is a contractor for a deck and dock and garage remodeling company, and they had a job opening. I was super adamant, and he was super adamant that this was not a charity case, that he was not offering me a job because I needed a job. He was offering me a job because they had a need, and I had experience with roofing and logistics that would help them. I, that's really important for me to say because I didn't and don't want to accept just pure charity like that anymore. It's well, just, also, it, that makes a difference when you're actually trying and when you feel needed. It has the effect often of making you actually wanting to give a shit. Yeah. So here I am at my uncle's place doing yard work every day. And I still struggled with the same things. I was having trouble with my sleep schedule. I was having trouble eating consistently. What I wasn't struggling with was I wasn't struggling with taking my meds. Good, I, I was going to say, how are your meds right now? Everyone's wondering. Oh, good point. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am taking my meds. I am on like a month and some change streak of meds every day. So Amazing. Air horn um, here. I started work on the 13th of March, and since then I've had almost perfect attendance. Thankfully, work is quite literally a mile away. So if I sleep in, work is like five minutes away. I, I have slept in 20 minutes past my alarm twice. So I've gotten to work 30 minutes late twice. But other than that, I am rebuilding relationships with people that I haven't talked to in three, four, five years. I'm regularly scheduling FaceTime calls with people to get people back in my life. I'm not very active with AA right now because I really just don't have the time for it. There are other priorities that I'm focusing on that are helping me in ways that AA also would help. I'm just kind of replacing it with some other things right now. You're I'm doing what you can and you're, you're rebuilding your armor with the materials you have. I'm building a foundation. Exactly. Um, and I am not shying away from personal responsibility and accountability. I have fucked up royally in the past i have burned bridges i have a friend that i burned extremely bad at the end of 2022 and we are no longer on any level of talking terms i tried to reach out about a week ago um i mean i, I apologized profusely after getting out of the behavior health unit but that's just simply not enough he he was straight up frank with me that the way i burned him at least for the foreseeable future he's not prepared to be friends with me and I have to just accept mm -hmm. that. And I have accepted it because I was a complete asshole and I was unaware. I was egotistical and I was selfish. Only person that mattered was me. And I'm at the point now where I am treating myself 
Oh, this is almost going to make me cry. I am treating myself with the same level of respect that I treat everyone else. So That's amazing. And my life, this is the best I have ever been. I am... You're here. I'm fucking doing it. I just today went to Wells Fargo and opened up a bank account, both a checking and savings account. That I'm going to get the card in about a week. Look at you adulting and shit. Right? I'm on my own health insurance plan. I am about to get on my own phone plan. And I'm taking every step possible to become truly independent and in charge of my life. Instead of letting things happening to me, I am choosing to do things. And I have never had as much fun being a person as I have been in the last two months. The only way that this happened is by hitting a rock bottom that I didn't think I'd ever hit. I, I was homeless for two weeks. I was, I was suicidal. It was terrifying. And things have only gotten better because I've admitted that there are things that I'm powerless over. And I have admitted that I have made mistakes. And I'm not shying away from those mistakes. I am confronting them and learning from them and moving on. I'm keeping the past mistakes that I've made in perspective that I have had bad days. But just because I have one bad day does not mean that all the time after that needs to be bad as well because I made one failure. That one day of having anxiety or last Tuesday was the second day that I accidentally woke up at 745 to a phone call and had to rush to work. And instead of having that change my entire day and thinking I'm a piece of shit for the rest of the day, I quite literally what I did is I walked into work. I was frank with my bosses. I told them that I simply messed up and that I'm going to make effort to not have it happen again. And then I had a good fucking day of work and I got home and I was happy and I was satisfied and I went to sleep good. Imagine that. Uh, my anxiety level and my depression level, if you gave me one of those assessment forms that we would do at the beginning and end of every day in treatment, I would 100% honestly and truly circle the zero. Oh, I just got chills. And I have never been able to say that before. All I can say is I admired and respected you before after hearing this story i admire and respect you even more i appreciate that and i'm just so fucking proud of the fact that despite having so many bottoms and despite getting you know turned down time and time again and you keep going and you keep getting help and just trying to be better one day at a time and that's all we can hope for honestly and i absolutely see you doing great things and helping a lot of people in whatever way it is you already One of the are. main reasons that I have procrastinated coming on this podcast with you is because for the last two years, I have not felt that I was in a position to be giving advice or to be helping well, people. Well, this is not an advice podcast. Let's no, make I know, that clear. I know, but even speaking, even speaking on perspective, I've just yeah. felt too lost in my own life. You're and in I'm, it. You didn't have the ability. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, on the, uh, I'm in a new season now and that I want to share my experience with people. And I'm at the point now where I share my life story not with everyone, but I, I give chunks of truth about myself to people that most individuals would not share. And the effect that that has on my relationships with people has been radical. I, yeah. I, have, I have developed friendships and coworker relations, and I am back to who I am supposed to be. I am supposed to be extroverted. I am supposed to be getting energy from being around people. and. That's what's happening now. I know that I no longer have a mask on in any sense of the word. That, that's a very difficult place to get to. And I hope you're proud of yourself. 
Are you fucking? I am proud extremely of fucking proud of myself now. <laughs> Good, you better be. Yeah, I, I I am now excited about the future. I am actively looking for a girl. Yeah, <laughs> there was uh, someone I was talking to for about two weeks, and then I got ghosted. So I had to deal with that for about an hour, and then I realized that it's really her loss, not mine. So exactly, there's that. Um, and don't rush it. You know, you are still no, very oh, early on in all. recovery. <laughs> yeah, you're you're working on yourself, and that is the most important thing. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that though. No. Yeah. I just want some intimacy and some cuddles. That's of course, what I want. <laughs> everyone does. There's nothing wrong with that. It's been like a two-year dry streak, okay? And the thing is, is that's intentional, but it needs to end now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of which, how can people find you? If How's you... <laughs> that for a transition? <laughs> no. Wait, what did you say? Do you wish to remain completely anonymous, or do you want me to share a place people can talk to you? Um, I'm comfortable with sharing my Instagram. All right. Hit him. So my Instagram is the done T H E D U N N underscore. That's it. Perfect. That's me. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm just in awe of you. Thank you for having me on. I didn't think I had the energy for this today, but once I got started, I was like, I'm like, I'm not standing up, but I'm like in position. I don't even know what that means. I I mean, it's 11 PM here on my end and I feel like no time has passed. I've just really enjoyed talking to you. So (gasps) it's 803. It's 804. Okay. Conclusion. Conclusion. (laughs) You're amazing. And I hope you keep pursuing your authentic self. And I'm just so happy to be your friend. Thank you, Christina. I really appreciate that. Any last words before we say goodbye? Spread your wings and fly everyone. And take your fucking meds. And take your fucking meds. <laughs> take your fucking meds. Right now, you know that TikTok guy that spits out his water and says, go to the fucking gym? Well, I need to start something that says, take your fucking meds. <laughs> On that note, goodbye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>